السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والعاقبة للمتقين ولا عدوان إلا على الظالمين وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له إله الأولين والآخرين وأشهد أن نبينا محمدا عبده ورسوله المصطفى الأمين اللهم صل وسلم وبارك على عبدك ورسولك محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد Welcome to another episode of our Tafsir page by page and inshallah ta'ala today we are on page 39 of the Quran and that is uh, Surah Al-Baqarah the second juz we are coming towards the end of the second juz of the Quran so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the next last uh, two three episodes we have been speaking about a number of the rulings and ahkam uh, concerning a number of issues that Allah Azza wa Jal has laid down their rulings or the laws concerning, the legislation concerning. So for example, in our last episode, the vast majority, if not all of it, was to do with issues of divorce or related to divorce and separation. For example, whether it's bereavement, so the end of the waiting period as a result of bereavement, the widow how long she has to remain four months and ten days in her waiting period, or whether it's to do with issues of divorce and dowry, and the rights of the husband and the rights of the wife. And today, uh, for at least half or at least half of, of the page that we're going to cover today, uh, continues on that theme of divorce. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will change uh, the subject or the topic will change into another passage, into something different. Uh, but however, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, in the middle of these verses of divorce, so for the last two or three episodes, we've been speaking about ahkam, rulings of different things, divorce, inheritance, marriage, all of these different things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is bringing to our attention. And there's still one or two things that are going to be mentioned concerning this issue, particularly of divorce. However, what is interesting is that in verses 238 and 239, which is where we begin our tafsir today, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala changes the topic. And this is something which you will find sometimes happens in the Quran that Allah Azza wa Jalla is speaking for example about a story and then in the middle in the in the midst of that story right in the middle Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brings in a topic that seems to be completely unconnected seems to have no connection to what we were just talking about and all of a sudden we're speaking about something different and then Allah Azza wa Jalla will go back to the same story again this is an example of this we've been speaking about divorce and issues and ahkam and rulings and so on and now Instead of issues of divorce and so on, the first two verses that we will cover today will speak about salah, speak about prayer. And then after these two verses, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will go back into the issue of divorce. So this is an interesting thing that I, that I that we want to take some time and analyze today because it is something which takes place in the Quran and we know that every single verse of the Quran has been placed in its proper place by the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam from the revelation that was given to him by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that is why Jibreel alayhi salam would come in the month of Ramadan and revise the Quran with the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam and in the year that the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam passed away his final Ramadan Jibreel alayhi salam came and revised the Quran with him twice and that is how he taught the uh, companions radiyallahu anhum ajma'in. And that is why when Uthman radiyallahu anhu was asked uh, concerning the, the verses that actually we, we mentioned one of them last week and one of them will be mentioned uh, in the last episode rather and one of them will be mentioned today. And that is concerning the issue of the waiting period of the woman who's a widow. The verse that we mentioned in the last episode says that it is four months and ten days. The verse today says that it will be a year. 
And we will speak about that and how the scholars reconcile and what they say is taking place between those two verses. But the point here, here being that just say, for example, we would say it's an abrogation that is started off as a year, then four months and ten days. Then the verse of the year should have come first and then four months and ten days because the old ruling is mentioned first. The abrogation then takes place afterwards. However, here we see that the four months and ten days was mentioned in the last episode, meaning it comes first in terms of its order in the Qur'an. And today we're going to be mentioning the verse about the year. Some of the companions asked Uthman radiallahu an, wouldn't it make more sense to do it the other way around? Or some of the students asked Uthman radiallahu an, wouldn't it make sense to do it the other way around? Uthman said, I don't change anything from the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is how we took it from the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa which shows therefore that these verses sometimes that you get, like example today, the verse of salah in the middle of these verses of divorce were placed there by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So if they're placed in the middle of this context of divorce, there must be a reason and a wisdom behind it. And that is something which we will inshallah ta'ala strive to attain today. Allah azza wa says in verse 238, A'udhu billahi minash-shaytanir-rajeem. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, take care to do your prayers, preserve them. Praying in the best way and standing before Allah Azza wa Jalla in devotion. Or maintain and preserve your prayers and especially the middle prayer. And stand before Allah Azza wa Jalla in devotion. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to preserve our salah. To make muhafadha ala salah. And that essentially means that you pray each prayer at its correct time making sure that you're fulfilling its conditions and its obligations and its pillars and its sunan in terms of its recommendation, recommended acts concerning the prayer. It means that you pray in the way that the Prophet ﷺ commanded that we pray, as he said, in the in the hadith, Sallu kama ra'itumuni usalli, pray as you have seen me praying. So this is something which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to us here. And then Allah says, and especially preserve the asr prayer which is the prayer as we know in the middle of the day, the Asr prayer. And it is, Allah says, calls it the middle prayer, but we know that it is the Asr prayer because it's mentioned uh, by a number of the companions such as Aisha radiallahu anha, that when her scribe was writing the Quran for her, because in those days before printing presses, they would write it by hand. When he came to this verse, she said to him, this prayer is the Asr prayer. And it's mentioned also explicitly in a hadith of the Prophet that he said that the middle prayer is Salatul Asr. And Salatul Asr is an important prayer because it's a prayer that takes place in the middle of the day. And that is when people are either busy at work or they come back from work because in the Arab countries, for example, where they have the siesta after dhuhr, after midday they sleep. On a number of occasions, sometimes you find that people find it then difficult to get up and pray Asr at its correct time. Or they become engaged in something else one way or another. The Arabs used to uh, know the importance of this time. And the Sharia came to preserve this time as well. Preserve the Salah. All of them, and especially the Asr prayer, and be from those people who stand before Allah Azza wa in devotion. The question here is, what does this have to do with regards to, uh, with regards to divorce? In verse two thirty nine, which is connected to verse two thirty eight, so we will take that first. Allah Subhanahu wa Taala continues and He says, "For in khiftum farijalan awrukmana," and if you are in danger, then pray whilst you are walking or riding. And this is from the concessions in Salah in times of danger. Or, for example, in times when a person is traveling, as we know, it is allowed for them to ride and to pray. But generally speaking, in times of danger, also, for example, on the battlefield, it is allowed to pray whilst a person is riding on the battlefield or whilst they are walking on the battlefield. And Allah says, and when you are safe again, then remember Allah 
for he, for he has taught you what you do not know. These verses about prayer and the dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the remembrance of Allah azza wa jal, what do they have to do with issues of divorce? Number one, divorce is something which is extremely taxing. It is something which is draining. It is something which is an extremely challenging time that a person goes through. And at that time, more than ever, you are in need of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah Azza wa Jalla is saying that yes, this time may, may seem challenging and difficult to you, but it is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and a trial. And in each time of test and trial, the believer is the one who goes to Allah Azza wa Jalla and worships them even more, turns to Allah Azza wa Jalla even more, makes dua even more than before. They turn to Allah Azza wa Jalla and they show their need and poverty before him subhanahu wa ta'ala. So the salah is something which you should be diligent with, especially during these times. It is something which will strengthen your connection with Allah Azza wa Jal, strengthen your iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, allow you to understand that this is the decree of Allah Azza wa Jal, and that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decreed this for you because there is good in it for you. Even though at this moment in time, during the process of divorce, you may not understand what the good is, you may not see any upside, you may not see any benefits, but Allah Azza wa Jal, we know, is Al-Alim Al-Hakim. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is all-knowing, all-wise. He's al-Rahim, he's all-merciful, all-gentle, all-kind. And so therefore Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he decrees this for you, then it is something which ultimately it is better for you. And so therefore, the believer turns to Allah azza wa jal in praise, in worship, in gratitude, and asks Allah azza wa jal for that which is best in all of their affairs. Also, from the meanings of this verse and the reason why it is one of the wisdoms that Allah knows best as to why it is mentioned here in the midst of the verses of divorce is often at times of difficulty and challenge like divorce, people slacken off in terms of other obligations and especially the salah. So people will feel that, they, that Allah Azza wa Jal has some, somehow forsaken them. And so you will find that they don't pray as much as they should. In times of difficulty and adversity, most people become weaker in their ibadah, less in terms of their worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as opposed to doing more. And so that is because of the emotional strain, maybe the psychological strain, the physical strain, all of these issues that build up that make a person become lax in terms of fulfilling their obligations to Allah Azza wa Jal. And so here is a warning. Hafidhu ala salawat be people who constantly maintain the prayer. And that shows to us that the prayer is so important that there is hardly a time in a person's life in which it is allowed for them to miss that prayer. Allah says, maintain, preserve that salah. Even in the most difficult and challenging of times, because Allah says, as we said in verse 239, even on the battlefield, surely if the prayer at any time could be missed, or it could be uh, something which you could forego, because of a circumstance, it would be upon the battlefield. But even on the battlefield, we're told to maintain the prayer. Yes, there are different rules, for example, when you're traveling, but there is still a time period. You can't pray, for example, Dhuhr Isha time because you're traveling. You can't pray Isha time and Fajr time because you're traveling. There's still a time, there's still a way to offer that prayer and a manner in which it is prescribed. You must still maintain the prayer within the context of the concession that Allah has given. That is the amazing thing about Salah. With everything else, there are rules that allow you to delay, to forego, to not forego necessarily, but to delay. Or for some people, it may be a sense of, or an issue of foregoing, in the sense that some people, it's not obligatory upon them to give zakah. Some people, it's not obligatory upon them to fast or to make hajj because of their physical, for example, state or their financial situation. However, when it comes to salah, everyone must pray. Even if you're sick, 
even if you're traveling, even if you're on a battlefield. The only person who doesn't have to pray is the one who doesn't understand, has no mental faculties to be able to offer the prayer. Or someone who's like in a coma, so physically just doesn't know what's going on. Those people are the exception to the rule because there is no way for them to pray. He's in a coma, or that person has a an illness that doesn't allow them to understand anything, to even understand what it is that they're doing. Those people are few and far between. Every other Muslim must offer the prayer. And that shows to you the importance of maintaining uh, the, this, this act of worship, but also the importance of it in times of difficulty and challenge. And that is why the Prophet ﷺ is the companions describe that when something would perturb him, when something would, would worry him, when he would have some anxiety about an issue, he would hurry and, and rush to the Salah wasallam. He would rush to the prayer. And that is something which therefore the believer should do, especially in circumstances like this. In verse 240, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then continues and he says, وَالَّذِينَ يُتَوَفَّوْنَ مِنْكُمْ وَيَذَرُونَ أَزْوَاجًا وَصِيَّةً لِأَزْوَاجِهِمْ مَتَاعًا إِلَى الْحَوْلِ غَيْرَ إِخْرَاجًا فَإِنْ خَرَجْنَ فَلَا جُنَاحَ عَلَيْكُمْ فِيمَا فَعَلْنَ فِي أَنفُسِهِنَّ مِنْ مَعْرُوفٍ وَاللَّهُ عَزِيزٌ حَكِيمٌ If any of you die and leave widows, then make a bequest for them. A year's maintenance and no expulsion from their homes for that time. But if they leave of their own accord, you will not be blamed for that which they may reasonably choose to do with themselves. For indeed Allah Azza wa Jal is almighty and wise. This verse is the verse that we mentioned. Speaks about the issue again of the waiting period of the woman who is upon her idda because her wife has passed, her husband has passed away. She's essentially a widow. In the previous episode, we mentioned the verse in which Allah Azza wa Jal said that the waiting period is four months and ten days. Here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that it is for a year, a year's maintenance and no expulsion from their homes. The scholars of tafsir have differed over this verse. Some of them said that this was the ruling at the beginning of Islam that was later than abrogated. And this is the position of the majority of the scholars of tafsir. That at the beginning of Islam, it was a year that was the waiting period. So that year... She couldn't get married. That year, she's in her idda. And then after the year elapses, then she can continue. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala revealed the concession in this ruling. And that is that Allah azza wa jal made the year come down to four months and ten days. Four months and ten days. And so that was from the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That is one position of tafsir. The second position that you find among some of the scholars of tafsir that was chosen by uh, a number of the scholars of our time also. And there is a position that is attributed to the Imam of uh, Tafsir Mujahid Ibn Jabr rahimahullah ta'ala from the students of Ibn Abbas radiyallahu anhuma. And that is that there is no uh, abrogation that takes place here. But rather these are two distinct verses. The first verse, which is the one that we mentioned in the last episode of the four months and ten days, that is the ruling of the idda of the woman who is a widow. Four months and ten days. This verse is not a ruling but a wasiyah, a request a bequeathment, a bequest. As Allah says, make a bequest for the meaning that the husband should say to his family who will inherit from him after his death, he should write in his will, he should let his family know that this woman after she passes, after I pass away, she can remain in the family home for a year. I don't want you to expel her. This is obviously in the case where the family home is, is doesn't belong to them as a shared home. So for example, the house that she lives in belongs to her family's husband. He should say to them that she should be allowed to stay here for a year. And if she wants to leave before a year, it's up to her. Allah says there is no harm or no blame if she wishes to reasonably choose to do or to leave of her own accord. However, if she wants to stay, then she should do so. Some of the scholars said that this is something which is recommended to do. 
it is not the same thing as the ruling that is mentioned of the four months and the ten days. And the reason why it is recommended because the four months and ten days may not be enough for her. From the goodness that the husband shows to his wife because he didn't divorce her or, or, or in any way want to separate from her, Allah decreed that he would pass away before her, that he wants her to have that stability, he wants her to give that time, he wants her to be comfortable, that she doesn't have to worry within a few months what she's going to do. She's, she's got a good period of time in order to settle her affairs and this is from the good that he shows to her, uh, to his wife. And so therefore you find this difference of opinion amongst the scholars of tafsir. Was it a ruling that's abrogated? Or was it a ruling that that's a ruling and this is a simple bequest? And some of the scholars have reconciled between the two, as in that the idda no doubt is four months and ten days. However, this is something which is recommended that they should be allowed to stay therein uh, for longer in terms of those two positions. So therefore they say that there is no obligation in this verse. As I said, however, the majority of the scholars of tafsir, you will find in the books of tafsir, they say that it is an abrogation and Allah Azza wa knows best. But even if it is an abrogation, if the husband was to make that bequest for his wife, it is still something which is permissible. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in verses 241 and 242, Divorced women shall have such maintenance as is considered fair. That is a duty for those who are mindful of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning that it is good and befitting and recommended that the husband continues to provide for his wife during that period. She's in her idda period for, for example, three monthly periods or that period of four months and ten days and so on. It is good and it is something which is recommended that there is maintenance for her during that period of time because she's unable to go and forge her own way to get married again to do anything else. She must abide in that time, in this period where she is still dependent to a certain extent upon her husband. And so therefore Allah Azza wa Jal says that it is something which is good. And Allah Azza wa Jal says that it is something which should be done in a manner which is good and which is fair. كَذَٰلِكَ يُبَيِّنُ اللَّهُ لَكُمْ آيَاتِهِ لَعَلَّكُمْ تَعْقِلُونَ And in verse 242, Allah Azza wa Jal then concludes these whole passages of ahkam and the rulings that we've been mentioning. In this way, Allah Azza wa Jal says, He makes His revelations clear to you so that you may grow in understanding. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that He has made these rulings clear. As we said before, it was the way of the people of the Arabs before the coming of the Prophet that they would greatly oppress their spouses or their wives at times of divorce, in issues of inheritance, at times of bereavement when she becomes a widow. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave to us all of these ahkam, all of these rulings to show to us that this is the beauty of the sharia of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as we can see on a number of occasions, Allah azza wa jal keeps saying, bil ma'roof, bil ma'roof, do what is good, what is fair. Allah azza wa jal says, taqwa, to forgive and to pardon is closer to taqwa and to piety. Allah Azza wa says, وَلَا تَنْسَوُ الْفَضْلَ بَيْنَكُمْ Don't forget the good that you had between you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, حَقًّا عَلَى الْمُحْسِنِينَ حَقًّا عَلَى الْمُتَّقِينَ These are the rights and duties that are incumbent upon those who wish to do good, the people of Ihsan, and those who wish to have taqwa, the people of piety, and consciousness of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so Allah Azza wa throughout these verses, keeps repeating these issues over and over again because as I said, it is not just simply about the rulings, the hakam of the halal and the haram and what you can and cannot do, even though that is extremely important. But for the Muslim, there is always issue of etiquette as well, adab. And that is something which we are greatly missing in our time when people are very, very conscious of their rights and what is for them and what is against them. And they're very conscious of making sure that they get everything that belongs to them and that is their due. And there is no doubt that Islam has given them those rights, but they're very lax when it comes to having etiquettes. 
when it comes to having some of these mannerisms that the Muslims should have in terms of, as we all know, that the Muslim is someone who should be merciful, gentle, kind, patient. That's just the general way that they should be. It is something that they should always have in terms of their character. But what we want to do, especially in times of divorce and in times in which there is conflict, we wish to be very strong and harsh and demanding everything that belongs to us, not giving really anything away. Always within a relationship, there must be some level of compromise. And so even when that relationship comes to an end, if there is no level of compromise or understanding or etiquette, then often that conflict or often that, that separation will be something which is uh, which is overcome in conflict. It is something which is full of, of ill feelings and rancor and enmity. And that is something which then causes its own problems and issues as we know. In verse 243, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now goes on to a different passage. And Allah Azza wa Jalla will tell us the story of a people who came before us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, أَلَمْ تَرَ إِلَى الَّذِينَ خَرَجُوا مِن دِيَارِهِمْ وَهُمْ أُلُوفٌ حَذَرَ الْمَوْتِ فَقَالَ لَهُمْ فَقَالَ لَهُمُ اللَّهُ مُوتُوا ثُمَّ أَحْيَاهُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَذُو فَضْلٍ عَلَى النَّاسِ وَلَكِنَّ أَكْثَرَ النَّاسِ لَا يَشْكُرُونَ Allah Azza wa Jalla says, do you not consider those people who abandoned their homeland in fear of death, even though there were thousands of them? Allah Azza wa commanded them to die, and then they were brought back to life again. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is instructing the Muslims and the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, did you not hear this story from the people who came before you, and most likely it is from the people of Bani Israel, the children of Israel. And this is a story that is mentioned within a number of the texts of the, the scriptures that came before us. And it is a story that Allah Azza wa Jalla affirms here in the Quran. And so when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, did you not see? Did you not listen? Were you not there? Do you not do? These are verses in which Allah Azza wa Jalla is instructing us to pay attention. Even though you do not, you did not witness that account physically at first hand, you weren't there yourself, you didn't see it firsthand, you weren't present at that time, you didn't witness it as a as a person who was present at the time. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks as if you were there. Alam tara, did you not see? Did you not hear? Do you not know? And you normally say those types of things to someone who was there, who was present, who did see, who was a witness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that because when Allah Azza wa tells us something in the Quran, it is as good as if we were there. It is as sure as if we were there. Because we have no doubt about the authenticity or the truthfulness of what is found in the book of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so this, the statements of Allah azza wa jal, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Quran of the stories of the past, whether it's of the prophets or the nations, it's as good as if we had seen it firsthand. Because the account that Allah azza wa jal relates to us is the most reliable and authentic of accounts. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, do you not see? And the other benefit of this statement of Allah Azza wa Jalla and similar statements in the Quran is that therefore you should take lesson from it. Because you say to someone, do you not see what happened when you were there? Meaning don't you learn that lesson? Didn't you, didn't you realize? Didn't you find out? These are statements that are made in the Quran so that we will analyze, that we will reflect, that we will ponder, that we will take lessons, that we will benefit from. What is the lesson here? The lesson here is that there were a people who lived in a town. And Allah Azza wa Jalla describes them as being thousands, wahum uluf, in their thousands. This isn't a small village, it's not a small hamlet where there's just a few households or maybe a hundred or two or three hundreds of people or even a thousand. Allah Azza wa Jalla describes them as being multiple thousands, ulufun, in their thousands. 
حذر الموت. Some of the scholars of tafsir said there were 4,000, others 8, others more, others less. But the point is that Allah says that there were many of them in number. They left their homes and their dwellings. Why did they leave? According to the vast majority of the scholars of tafsir and the narrations that we have, they left because of a plague that came upon them. And when they saw that plague coming, they tried to escape death by fleeing. And this is what people do, right? Everyone escapes death or tries to stay away from death. And it is a natural human response not to want to put yourself in the way of danger or in the way of death. But also as Muslims, we know that Allah is the one who has decreed death. And if a plague or an earthquake or something else, a disease has been decreed by Allah as the manner of your death, then it will take place and there is no way to escape. And that is why the Prophet said concerning the plague, that if you're in the land and the plague strikes, then don't leave it trying to flee from it. And if you're outside of that land, then don't go into it because you shouldn't seek that death or that harm upon yourself either. Both are from the decree of Allah Azza wa Someone can be in the midst of a plague and can survive as people do. And others can be far away and die from one reason or another. But the point is, you don't actively go seeking it. But if it comes to you and you're in that area, then you don't run away from it either. Because also the plague is something which can spread. And so to run away with the plague, if you may be afflicted, or you may be someone who, was, uh, who has contracted that plague, then it can be harmful towards others as well. So Allah Azza wa said, these people fled. Fearing the plague. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commanded them to die. Allah said to them, die, and they all passed away. And that is to show them that even if they were to run, even if they were to flee, there is no escaping from death or the decree that Allah Azza wa has placed upon us at the time of death. And that is because Allah Azza wa tells us in the Quran, فَإِذَا جَاءَ أَجَلُهُمْ When your appointed time comes, فَلَا يَسْتَأْخِرُونَ سَاعَةً وَلَا يَسْتَقْدِمُونَ That moment of death cannot be delayed by any amount of time, nor can it be brought forward by any amount of time. That's why there's people who are in horrific traffic accidents, and they emerge relatively unscathed by the permission of Allah Azza wa And other people who may have a very routine operation that they go into for hospital, very small, very minor. Most of the time, 99.9% of the time, people do that all the time and it's not a problem. But for that individual, they will pass away as a result. Allah Azza wa is the one who decrees. And it is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who determines the manner and the time of someone's death. It is from the knowledge of the unseen that Allah Azza wa has kept to himself. These people tried to flee from death. Allah commanded that they should pass away. And the scholars differ as to who it was exactly, which of the uh, prophets of Allah Azza wa this happened with at his time because it is a sign for that prophet of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala at that time and for the people of that time. And they differ. Some of them said it is the prophet Ezekiel. Izqil in Arabic or Ezekiel in biblical terms. And Allah Azza wa knows best his name as we see in the Quran is not mentioned nor is it mentioned by the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in any hadith. However, the scholars, uh, what they would do is that they would look at the scriptures of the Jews and the Christians and they would try to see which story matches up with which. And this is what they have come away with and Allah knows best. And then Allah Azza wa brought them back to life as a sign of his power and ability subhanahu wa ta'ala that just as Allah Azza wa can decree death to you for any means and any reasons then likewise Allah Azza wa can bring you back to life if he so wishes and chooses to do so as he will do on Yawm Al-Qiyamah when he resurrects all of creation all of mankind and the jinn inna Allah ladhu fadlin ala nas walakinna akthara nasi la yashkurun Allah Azza wa says indeed Allah shows real favor to people but most of them are ungrateful so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala then says in verse 244 وَقَاتِلُوا فِي سَبِيلِ اللَّهِ وَعْلَمُوا أَنَّ اللَّهَ سَمِيعٌ عَلِيمٌ So fight in Allah's cause and remember that He is all-hearing and all-knowing. Meaning that even fighting 
is something that you shouldn't run away from if it is something which you must do in that way as we said before in the way that is and the manner that has been prescribed and legislated as jihad in the way that it is according to the sharia not in the way that people take it out of its context and use it in a way that is extremism and so on but in the way that has been legislated in the sharia under the ruler of there is a muslim and so on all of those rulings that we know in the books of fiqh and so on Allah says, so therefore when fighting is prescribed upon you, don't run away from it. Because if you're running away fearing death, death can come to you at any moment and at any time. And this verse begins the passage that we will mention, inshallah ta'ala, in the beginning of the next episode, which will speak about the story of David and Goliath, which is a story in which there is fighting and that they had to go and fight for the sake of Allah Azza wa Jal. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the final verse that we will take today, 245, Allah Azza wa Jal then says, من ذا الذي يقرض الله قرضا حسنا فيضاعفه له أضعافا كثيرة والله يقبض ويبسط وإليه ترجعون who will give to God or to Allah a goodly loan which will increase for him many times which he will increase for him many times over indeed it is Allah who withholds and who gives abundantly it is to him that you will return meaning who will give to Allah alone meaning that you spend in the way of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for the religion of Allah when you give that loan to Allah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give to you many fold back in reward and Allah gives you many fold back in terms of barakah and blessing indeed Allah is the one who withholds and who gives meaning that you're giving in charity doesn't necessarily make you poorer because Allah will give to you more and if you're and you're withholding of charity, doesn't make you richer because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can take away from that wealth anyway. And indeed to Allah Azza wa Jal, you shall return. And with that, inshallah ta'ala, we come to the end of today's episode. Barakallahu fikum wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammadin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim.